everybody you're listening to the let's go buffalo podcast your favorite podcast for all things bills and sabers with the pals nigel tom and jake episode 27 coming at you don't forget to follow our social medias you can find us at let's go buff pod that's buff with two f's on instagram x youtube and jake are we live on the old the old tiktok we're live. We're live on talk, baby. Yeah, same oh, handle. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta add that to my my opening spiel here. So yeah, TikTok as well. Again, that's let's go buff pod, buff with two Fs, and let's say hello to the fellows. Tom, how we doing, pal? I'm good. What's up, buddy? Doing hey, really man. well. We're doing really well. Just just hanging, having a good little week. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Jake, Thanks, buddy. how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I went to the dentist today. I tried to. Uh, I got scammed <laughs> by the dentist. Nice. Trying to charge me like a thousand dollars for some laser reductive hip dysplasia fucking oh bro I'll do that something, for five hundred. Like I'm like I, I've been to the dentist every year since I was a kid, and every time it's been fine. So I think I found a sham dentist, not a <laughs> not not an issue with my teeth. But maybe you know, look in the camera and tell me otherwise. I've been telling you since 2018, bro. You got to stop going to the dentist for your hips. It's not the place to go, bro. <laughs> That's why they're charging you so much. <laughs> I knew there was a reason. But you're seeing the wrong. You're seeing the wrong person for the wrong ailment, my guy. Well, fuck, dude. You you invoice me. I'll, I'll let you take a look at my gums. I, dude. I'll look at whatever you want me to look at, dude. Your gums, your knees, your freaking butthole, dude. I don't care. <laughs> they all probably need to be checked out. <laughs> they're 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 all equally dirty. So yeah, well, let's get let's get them a one stop shop. You know. <laughs> Okay, your oil change at the same spot too. Nigel's at home medical clinic. <clears throat> Yikes! All righty. Yeah. Well, fellas, I, uh, me personally, I am insanely, insanely overdue to enjoy a beer with you guys on this podcast. I'm finally home. I have my new little setup here in Mikasa, and with my home comes my fridge, and so here we are, boys. So I'll give us a nice little countdown here, and let's uh, let's have one, shall we? Ready? Three, two, one. Yes, sir. Um, cheers, boys. Well, I uh, I do have one, um, but it's it's not a new one for me. I'm back to my roots, baby. It is the Three Heads kind in a can, though. If that's counts yeah, for anything, that, that's new. That's new. That's a normally variation. normally it's a bottle for me. So uh, yeah, nice little IPA here for myself. Tom, what are you drinking? I have little fluffy clouds from Pro Pig clouds out of Burlington VT. Yeah, baby, that's adorable. Yeah, I love that. They're not little clouds; they're little pigs. What kind of what kind of beer is it? It's a uh, pale ale. It's really pale good. Ale. Yeah, nice torpedo. Quite tasty. What do you got there, my guy? I got a hermit thrush ale. It's called the Poe Tweet. It's a kettle soured ale with local hops. And, uh, you know, we're, it's a little sour tasting, but it's very delicious in the end. And uh, I think that's a good segue into our conversation about the Bills. Yeah. 
I wait real quick, Tom. I just had a thought for future pods, like during off seasons, oh, we perfect. should do for our beer corner. Let's do like a monthly beer corner. So like maybe we all have to get beers from a different brewery, or excuse me, the same brewery for one month. So we like feature a brewery for one month. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. All right, cool. So we get them to feature us. Hey, how about that? <laughs> any um, any well, brewers out there who would like us to drink your beer on air? We oh will. my god. We, uh, and we, we, we will pay, we'll pay you money to do that. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll buy them. Just tell us I mean, you're interested. Yeah, just just let us know that you want us to do it. We'll absolutely buy them. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Well, speaking of uh, new ideas and new beers and all that fun stuff, the Buffalo Bills have their hands on, officially on paper, some new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Um, no big surprise here, but Joe Brady has officially – been named the Bills offensive coordinator. So uh, we go ahead and remove that interim tag. Um, this is exciting for me um, because, it, I mean, if we're, if we're taking over an offense in the middle of the season, I thought he did like a remarkable job in terms of putting his thumbprint on this offense, which I would imagine without an entire offseason to do has got to be difficult. And I thought he did a really nice job of kind of removing Ken Dorsey's thumbprint and putting his own on there. Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do with um, an entire offseason. So I think that'll be cool. Either you guys have uh, thoughts on the, the Joe Brady? I'll let, wait, before Tom gives his thoughts, because I know he has some intelligent ones, I have a dumb question <laughs> to interject with. So when a, when an OC takes over during the year, there's, I mean, you're, you're dealing with quick turnarounds between games. Are you using kind of the same blueprint playbook as the previous OC? So Joe Brady came in using Ken Dorsey's playbook for, oh, for yeah. intents and purposes, right? Oh, 100%. Because yeah. they, they literally have a playbook. They have a iPad with plays on it. That is their playbook, right, that they've been studying and been working through. Um, Joe Brady's been part of it, right? He's the, he's, he was the quarterback's coach before this, so he at least sure. has been part of this plan. So I'm sure he had some flair in there, at least definitely was incredibly familiar with it. Um, but you're right. Like, going in, he's not – Give it his he didn't wipe the iPads clean and send him a new thing to figure out in a week. Like that's that's not yeah. happening. So um he did pick up where Ken Dorsey left off. And honestly, I, I was kind of with Nigel. I don't I didn't think that he was gonna be able to do all too much. Like I thought it was gonna be okay, it's gonna be Ken Dorsey's offense, but he's gonna maybe you know use it in a different way. Um it, but there was much more of a, a Ken of a of a Joe Brady thumbprint. Um and 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 what they were doing, which was cool. So it was. It, I I'm I'm with Nige. I'm I'm really excited to see what they do in a full off season. Like give the guy a full off season to work with, um, the entire team. Get these new rookies in. Um, my only thing I want to see him to be able to do, use that X factor, use that weapon, Stefan Diggs, because he fell off the face of the earth at the end of that year and under his watch. So you, we we have Diggs is going into four years of, of a contract here. So. Let's let's see let's see Joe Brady use use that weapon because that was a, a part of the game that was missing and I think we we would have been better for it if we had the digs humming at the end of the year. Yeah, agreed, absolutely. Um, now this one is to me I'm, I'm not going to say more significant because this is of course significant, but the one that we weren't quite as confident about. Um, finally today, Tuesday, um, January thirtieth, the Bills officially hired Bobby Babich as the new defensive coordinator. Um, oh, baby. Yeah, huge, huge. This guy, he's... So the cool thing about Babs, um, that's I'm officially starting the Babs train. The cool thing about <laughs> Babs 
is since he has been um, with Buffalo, which I want to say is like 2019 was his first season here. Um, Tom, you have a thought there? I'm going to do some producing. I'm going to get you a date. Thanks, buddy. I'm going to say 2019. Um, But when he first became a part of this team, everything that he touched, he was like, Midas, dude, you touch that shit, it's going to turn to gold. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde had all pro seasons under Babs as the safeties coach on this team. Um, Matt Milano had an all when when Babs became the linebackers coach. Matt Milano had an all pro year. Tremaine Edmonds had the best season he's had as a Buffalo Bill. And then I think we all pretty familiar with what happened with um, Terrell Bernard this season. So everything Bobby's been doing since he's been in Buffalo has been just awesome. So I'm excited to see what he can do now as the guy in charge of the whole defense. Um, I'm sure there will probably be some growing pains here and there, like there is with any first-time coordinator, but he's got a great support system around him in Sean McDermott. Um, Al Holcomb is there. Uh, John Butler, who's the secondaries coach right now, is well-respected in this league. So I think um, I like how well-supported he is, and I think it's great that we kept him because he was drawing a lot of interest from a lot of different teams. Tom, you got a date for me? Agreed. Yeah, no, it was 2017 when he came to Buffalo. Oh, You're 100% right. He was nope, the assistant. 2019. You said 2019? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came in. That was when, right, that's when Poirier and Micah came in and they were starting to get developed, right? And he yeah. was defensive backs coach first, then safeties coach, um, then linebackers coach, and now he's now he's uh, D.C., which is awesome. His He comes from the pedigree of, of uh, NFL coaching as well. His dad, also Bobby. Bob, I think uh, Bob Babich was the linebackers coach in Buffalo too. They were on the they were co- on the same coaching staff together for a little bit before um, Bob Senior uh, retired in 2021, which is I always thought was kind of cool. So, yeah, um, family affair. I um I I agree that I'm super pumped that he's in. Like he's here. I think this is significant that there's all this hullabaloo about Sean McDermott chasing away coaches and blah blah. blah. He's keeping these young stud um, coaches who want to stay in Buffalo and work with him. Like, that's significant to me, right? And um, I think that Babbage is going to have a, a really – I think he's going to have a really significant impact on this entire defense um, because of what he's able to do in specific um, – position rooms like i think i'm excited for him to be able to have his his fingers on everything now right i mean we have sean mcdermott arguably one of the best defensive back coaches in the game bobby babich arguably one of the back the best back seven coaches in the game like let's get somebody in um eric washington left to go be um dc in chicago so we need we're going to bring some new fresh blood in for um d-line like hopefully it's somebody who can come in and, and you know bring a new perspective and that's that's roll boys yeah i want to read um a really nice tweet here from Tyrell Dodson after the hiring was announced. So yeah. quote from Tyrell Dodson's Twitter account. If I wanted to say everything I have about Bobby, I would run out of space. Best coach I've ever had. Hands down. Believed in me before everyone else did rose the bar for myself. I'm not surprised one bit. You not only earned this, but much deserved love. So, I mean, when you have that kind of endorsement from players, it's, I mean, what else could, yeah. What else could you possibly ask for as a fan? You know, speaks volumes, bro. Like that's yeah. that's a guy who clearly cares about his players, and you know, it's cool to see players root root for their coaches. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah man, go Bills, baby. Um, we got a whole off season for them to go sit in the sit in the lab and, and plan, boys. <laughs> who was the um? So Babich drew interest um from Green Bay, from Miami. There's a third team that I'm forgetting. Do you remember Tom? I don't remember. No, I would be. It was. It was. Yeah, uh, it's it's on there somewhere, but 
he drew inches from three different teams. Now, the the big one that I needed to remember was Miami. Um, and for Miami to be going after a defensive coach on the team um, and to not get them feels extraordinarily significant to me. I'm not positive, you know, how many guys would be better at stopping Josh Allen than the linebackers coach on the team. Um, so really, really, really glad that he didn't do that. Um, so yeah, I feel yeah, like that was significant God. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Please don't go to Miami, dear Lord. Um, yeah. uh, Leslie Frazier is, um, I was gonna say auditioning. That's the musician in me is, um, interviewing for the, uh, the DC job down in Miami too. So, um, this, uh, they're, they're after, they're after some of that, that, that Buffalo sauce. They're trying to figure out what to do here. What's going yeah. on up this, up, up North here. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, let's see here, Tom, you want to move us into our next thing? I'm doing a little bit of producing here myself. I would love to. Um, so we're our big focus this this um this episode is to kind of unpack this season. This 2023-2024 season was tumultuous to say the least, right? A lots of ups, lots of downs. Um, we got the full Buffalo Bills, <laughs> Buffalo sports fan experience. Um, and uh yeah, we took it to the face. So we wanted to kind of spend time, break it down. What were we thinking kind of in a couple different chunks of the season? We broke it up into four chunks here, and I'll kind of walk you guys through. Um, what happened uh, in each chunk and then we're just going to kind of spitball and talk through what were we feeling what were we what was the big points here what was where were we at as fans and where was the team at as a team um, in each of these chunks of the season kind of unpack what went really well and what was a <laughs> clearly concerning um, throughout the year um by the way giants giants with a third team that oh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dayball, Dayball saw Babbage work firsthand. I'm sure he would be clamoring to have him come. Yeah. Sorry, that was the um that was the producing I was doing. Um, yeah. So we're gonna yeah, Tom, Tom just said everything. I don't need to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's very well said, Nigel. Thank you. <laughs> Knock uh, us into chunk one, Tom. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's All right. get it. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Well, before we hit chunk one, I want just a quick two to three sentence vibe check of it's we just finished preseason. Bills are getting set to play Monday night football against the Jets on September eleventh. What were we expecting from this team for this season? Give me two to three sentences. That one's for you, Nigel. Only two to three sentences. Um, <laughs> playing like their hair is absolutely on fire. Just balls to the wall. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I think expectations were sky high. They, they had, they had, they had the roster. They had the the momentum and the disappointment from. The loss to the Bengals last year, so I think expectations were very high to prove that wrong this year. Go cleanse the palate, go yeah. reset and reestablish yourselves at the top of the AFC. Would we yeah. agree? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. So anything less one. than a division win would have been a would have been a miss. Oh yeah, and a birth into the playoffs, and they got scarier as we went. Yeah, nice. Real quick, um, yeah, you in the front I, row. Be, <laughs> thank you, Mister Smith. Uh, because I was absent last week from the pod, is it okay if I take a second and and um just get some thoughts off my chest about how i felt with the season ending is that is that okay give me give me 10 seconds or 30 seconds we'll say sure pal super it's it's hard to do um but and i'm kind of glad that i wasn't there because i don't think i would have the same feelings i do now obviously um i'm an i'm a very emotional sports fan um but i really am like now two weeks out super proud 
of of the football team this year because they did demonstrate one thing that I've been dying for for a couple of years as a fan, and that is um, a sense of resiliency. And that was that was a a trait that they demonstrated that they had this season that I felt was super super significant. Obviously, I was pissed. I'm super pissed that we can't get by Patrick Mahomes, and it's really depressing. Um, and I'm going to say this and people might get mad about it, but I truly, and excuses are excuses. They don't matter, you know, but I truly think that if we have a healthy Matt Milano and a healthy Terrell Bernard, I think that game is entirely different because the, what were the two ways that Kansas city beat us? It was Isaiah Pacheco. It was Travis Kelsey. And you put in Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano and I think you significantly decrease the impact of those two players. Um, so those are my thoughts. I just I've been dying to say something about it on some kind of platform, and now I'm here and I have it, and that's all I have to say. Thank you for letting me do that, fellas. <laughs> yeah, totally, I agree with you. Like I think Trey White too. Like if we had a healthy secondary, I, yeah. I mean when 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 Kelsey and Pacheco weren't the option, they, who'd they go to? Rasheed Rice. Like you shut down the wide receivers with a, a healthy one cornerback it's another way to beat him like it's just that was a story all year we'll get into that but defense just getting hammered by injuries and and that going into the season the cupboards were stocked you know we had we had that we had the we had the uh, horses in the stable it's just like all of a sudden the stables got awfully empty i think that was beginning the season i think a lot of people were like okay we got a lights out defense we got all-stars on every position kind of thing especially in the secondary um Hopefully they can win us some games and the offense peppers in there too. And it, the the script flipped as the season went along where it was, okay, we need the offense to absolutely bail out this hamstrung defense, at, at now, least from my perspective. Now, Jake, your job in the next 18 weeks here, when I'm walking through, you got to tell us when you think that switched. Ooh, okay. Deal. Deal. All right. All let's, right. Kick, let's kick I'm it gonna, off. Then. Start with I'm going to research. I'm going to reset this up just for our listeners who maybe lost track. Uh, we have four chunks of the season. I'm going to walk us through um, each of these weeks, talk through a quick, just uh, 10 second highlights. And then we're just going to kind of react and talk about what was the, what were the big talking points here? Good or bad. Chunk one was from week one to week five. Week one was a 16 to 22 loss overtime to the jets. We're zero and one. Week two, the a 38 to 10 slammer of a win against the Raiders. Week three, a 33 to th- excuse me, a 37 to 3 win versus the Commanders. Week four, the maybe my favorite win of the season, 48 to 20 win against the Dolphins. And then week five. Week five, the infamous 20 to 25 loss versus the Jaguars in London. And we end up stunk three to two. <laughs> three and two, excuse me. There it is. That's it. That's it, Jake. That's the ringer. I think that's it. If it like the Jets loss to begin the season was a heartbreaker. I, I I think you replay that game and the Bills probably win. Aaron Rodgers goes down. That was unfortunate to see. We we don't cheer for injuries, but like when he goes down, you you smell blood in the water. Like you expect the Bills to win that game. And then the fact that they came out of it with the loss was an immediate kind of kick in the gut for the season, right? Um, but anyways, as they go through that stretch, they rattle off three games against the Raiders, Commanders, and Dolphins. The I thought the team looked lights out in a lot of those games, or all three of those games. And then they go across the Atlantic to London and play the Jaguars on a terrible field. 
it's it's an ugly game. They lose a couple of key defensive players. I think that was the game where they lost Matt Milano. They lost Daquan Jones. They had just lost Trey White the week before against the Dolphins. I think that was for for me at least. That was where I said, okay, we're we're really going to see what this defense is made of, and we need the offense to kind of chip in and 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 pull their part because they really they 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 had been pulling their weight to that to that date so far. Like they put up a ton of points against the Raiders, the Commanders, the Dolphins, but then in the Jaguars game they struggled. I remember they 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 put together good drives, but it was too little too late. It was like in the fourth quarter when they put together really good drives. So I think it was that game for me. After that game, I was like, okay, the offense needs to figure their shit out because they need to bail out this defense. They're doing everything they can, and they're shorthanded. So, yeah. Did you guys feel the same, differently? How did you feel after chunk one? Um, I guess for me, dude, like the, the best way I can describe it for me is, is a lot of whiplash, right? Because, like, you're 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 upset about the Jets game, and then you rattle off. Now I didn't put a ton of stock in the Raiders and um, Commanders games because those are teams we should beat the way that we did. But with Miami having the hype that they did, and then doing what we did to them, that's the moment where I was like, "This might be a really fucking crazy team that we're about to watch." And then the Jaguars game happened. The biggest thing for me out of that chunk, that was the first thing where I was, that was my first big knock on Sean McDermott this season was I thought the way he handled all that travel to London and choosing to go when he did. And I just thought that was so terribly handled. And I remember coming out of chunk one, my overarching thing was this offense is hot and cold. Clearly, I'm really upset about Sean McDermott. And that was my overarching thing. Agreed. Yeah, I think it was the injuries in uh, in London. That forty-eight to twenty win versus the Dolphins. I'm gonna go back to that for a second. They had just beat the 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 pants off and the pants off the pants of the Denver's of the Denver Denver's. Oh my God, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> like seventy to twenty or something like that. Right, scored more points than has ever been scored since the nineteen fifty-two. Um, you know. And it was insane. Just it, it, they, everybody was calling for the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl week three. That's what the Dolphins do. They win the Super Bowl week three every year. And um, the, for the Bills to go in and win forty-eight to twenty was freaking really fun and great to see. Should we move on to chunk two? I'm ready. Hit me with it. All right, chunk two, week six to week ten. Week six, fourteen to nine win versus the Giants. I was there. That was a scary game. Week seven. <laughs> 25 to 29 loss to the Patriots. We are now four and three. Week eight, 24 to 18 win versus the Buccaneers. We're now five and three. At this point, we trade for Rasul Douglas, which we'll talk about more in specifics in the future, but that was the steal and the half of the century. Week nine, 18 to 24 loss versus the Bengals without Joe Burrow. We're five and four. And then week 10, 22 to 24 loss. Versus the Broncos, five and five. At that point, Dorsey gets the boot. He has cans. And uh, that wraps up chunk number two. Nigel, which of those losses was the most concerning loss in that chunk? The Broncos. Yeah, I think that one was was the most concerning because um, I, now all those games that we lost were winnable. 
Um, but that was the one to me that Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the one where we had 10 men on the field on the on the field goal, right? 12 men. Correct. Yeah. 12. Yeah. yeah. One, if one extra. We had, if we had 10, we would have been fine. We would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. That was and and it was the way we lost that game in particular. The Patriots one was ugly too. Um but uh, yeah, dude, that Broncos game, it was just like and that again, same thing I just said before after chunk one. I was like, oh my God, Sean McDermott, like you have to be kidding me. Like in that moment, there's 12 men on the field. And that to me, that's it's some people might argue that's on Matthew Smiley, the special teams coordinator. I put that solely on Sean McDermott. So yeah, it was the Broncos game for me. It was it was it that that was the one for me too. Yeah, it was the dagger, but it was it was kind of a culmination of things that we had seen over the past couple of weeks of just sloppy play, a lot of penalties, mental errors, like it just kind of all came to a head in that game. I felt like drop passes, like you you name it, things were not going well. Even in the games that they won against the Bucs, against the Giants, like that Giants game, that was as close of a win as you can get. Like that was that was down to the last play, white knuckles didn't think they were going to pull it out kind of win, right? Like it just kind of seemed uh, like a came to huh? a head. <laughs> that was going to be my point that the, even the wins versus the giants and the Buccaneers, they weren't quality wins. They were just, Oh my God, we got through with the win. And, and then we had stupid losses to the Pats, the Bengals and the Broncos. Like, yeah, it was, that was the slide that I was like, okay, we, uh, um, something needs to be figured out here. Um, and I think the firing of Ken Dorsey was uh, in the same way that we can kind of we can be critical of Sean McDermott. I'm glad that he didn't try and stay water and he pulled the plug and and, and fired um, Ken Dorsey like that Fl- flushed him, flushed him like, thank God, you know, like I, I, and then we put in um, Joe Brady and we'll talk about it coming up here. But things started humming again. I think the decision to get rid of Dorsey in the same way that we have to criticize Sean McDermott, we also have to say when he does something like makes the right decision. And I think that was absolutely the right decision. Concur. I, I think this is the first season, at least for me, that Sean McDermott's decisions have really come under serious fire. Right. Like to, to before uh, this, he's maybe kind of been regular season. It's kind of been more postseason in the past. I would right. say, okay. Okay. right. This is, but this is the first year where everybody was like nitpicking all of his, um, all of his in-season decisions. I think it, I think all that really started with 13 seconds, right? Because everyone, I mean, like, yes, Leslie Frazier is a defensive coordinator, but you know, Sean I, I think it started head coach, with... head, you know, head coach, head coach, defensive minded guys. So I think he took a lot of the heat for that. I think it started with the Texans loss, where you have a you know a multi score uh, win. I'm uh, sorry, multi score lead going into halftime against the Texans in the playoffs that first year. Yeah, it could be. I think your personnel on defense. Year, I think the personnel on defense between those two examples is different enough where, and and at that point too, he's also, that's his first year or second year as a head coach or third, maybe I can't remember. Um, but he's earlier in his, you know, it's the first time he's a, in the playoffs as a head coach. Yeah. I think. Right. No, yeah. he went that. that oh yeah. First, that's right. right. They brought, the first year. When yeah. they broke the drought, when that was with, um, that it was, was against Jack, Yeah. And that was against yeah. Jacksonville. And yeah, then we yeah. had the, with the and down then, year, and then, that, then that next year they went in. Yep. They, they uh, went in uh, and played uh, the Texans. In that first yeah, game. I don't know. I have a lot more grace for that one than I do thirteen seconds. Personal, Fair enough. But 
anything else we want to talk through here in chunk two before moving on? Um, um, I remember feeling super relieved that we fired Darcy. Yeah. Just yeah. just because something needed to change. The team needed an injection of something. Yeah. That's it. I was beginning to be curious about Douglas, but chunk three starts off with the gate with the Rasul Douglas game. And that's when we uh, we really started getting really excited. So let's slide into chunk three. Chunk three is little. This is a uh, OK. We've slid in chunk two. We need to get things together. And oh, no, we don't feel too much better. Um, week 11, 32 to six win versus the Jets. Six and five. Jake and I were there. That was a freaking great game. We're Dominic. Game. We'll talk about this. Oh, sorry, I should save my thoughts. Week 12, 34 to 37. Heartbreaking overtime loss versus the Eagles. And we go into the week 13 by six and six and um, everybody has written off the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they have. I think just to just to, you know, pull the conversation from chunk two to chunk three after that Eagles game was a big conversation about Sean McDermott. He the, going into overtime, he decided to kneel down and say, no, nope, fuck it. Let's just push this game to overtime. Meanwhile, your superstar quarterback is feeling himself has like two timeouts and time on the clock to go down and try to win the game. And then he decided to kneel it out. I think that was a big decision point for Sean McDermott there. We we even released an episode of you two chatting about the case for Sean McDermott. It's episode 18 and released on December 2nd, if you're trying to listen. Um, but I think that was big. That was huge conversation during that bye week is what is Sean McDermott doing with this team? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I, um, I know for me at that point, that is when I felt um, the most negative about about the team. Um, and again, similar to the Broncos loss, it was just the way that we lost. You know, yeah, we had the great win against the Jets. Um, and the, I think the biggest thing for me coming out of that game in particular was just Joe Brady's dominance against what was still a very good defense. So that was exciting. You didn't put Sean McDermott under the microscope at all with that game because God knows who the quarterback even was for that game. I think it was Zach Wilson. But also, who gives a shit? Because no quarterback on that team had a pulse all year. So you're going into the Eagles game feeling like, okay, this is a big, big, big turning point opportunity to put the league on notice and take advantage of an Eagles team that at that point wasn't looking as dominant as they did early. They had a couple shaky wins and, in my opinion, really did feel vulnerable. And, yeah, just, you know, Sean McDermott taking the knee or choosing to take the knee, it felt cowardly to me. And, again, just the way that we lost, it just felt like this team had no spine. And the, that resiliency thing I was talking about, which we'll get to soon, it, it, it felt incredibly absent at this point. Agreed. Yeah, that was just a yeah. That was that was when I was like, okay, this season might be over. Up until then, I still had hopes. I had hopes that we could figure something out. We could put something together. And that overtime loss was was a real just just kick in the nuts. Um, yeah, it was it was fun to see in that Jets win. Um, where Sewell Douglas with this um, he had like two interceptions and a fumble, um, a forced fumble. Like the guy was was crazy, and it was great to see that he came in and. I was really excited about him. That was something else I remembered about this chunk. All right. For sure. Looking forward. Now, this is where things get fun, Bill's Mafia. <laughs> chunk four. 
week 14 to week 18. But but it didn't it didn't feel fun looking forward, right? It looked tough. The schedule oh. was fucking tough, and they oh, had yeah. to basically win three, four, five games to get in. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they needed to win out. Like if you need if you were you're hoping if you wanted to go and um you have a chance at the playoffs, you had to win the next five. You had to. And there were some of the hottest teams um in the NFL coming up here. Um, divisional rivals um coming up here. And I, I remember like trying to get any bit of positivity looking forward was you're kind of making it up and just hoping and praying it wasn't actual really fueled and much week 14 this is also that stupid article got released right before this game about sean mcdermott great point right before this chiefs game great right point oh, by week everybody got to talk about it for a week and then sean mcdermott came in week 14 20 to 17 win versus the chiefs set in their house in arrowhead week 15 31 to 10 win versus the Cowboys in probably my second favorite game of the season. I think James Cook's best game of the season, too. Oh, clearly. We are now eight and six. Week 16, 24 to 22 win versus the Chargers out west, nine and nine and six. Week 17, 27 to 21 win versus the Patriots, 10 and six. Then week 18 for the division, 21 to 14 win versus the Dolphins in Miami in Hard Rock. We finished the season 11-6, AFC East champions and the number two seed going into the playoffs. Whew. I remember how excited I was after that Dolphins win. And now I'm still mostly sad, but that was a good feeling. Um, it felt so good. It felt, it felt we, so we, good. We pulled death from like the jaws of defeat, right? We... We we broke uh, we broke that we broke the game is really what happened here. Yeah, I um I need to I need to make a goal for myself this this season, um to be nicer to to Dolphins fans and I know that sounds shitty, but you know what, dude, the Bills also have an abusive father and his name is Patrick Mahomes, and I know how I feel about it, and we are that for the Dolphins, and I think I just need to. I think I need to be nicer this season because, God, that feeling, who invited this guy? That feeling—it's just such a terrible feeling, dude. Like when you just well, can't get around a guy, you know. Who who are you, Nigel? Nigel, who did we lose to for twenty years? Twenty. The, who the, the Patriots? Okay, how many years have we been winning over the over the Dolphins since twenty eighteen? I think. All right, Nigel, I'm going to mute his microphone for the rest of this podcast. Um, <laughs> My lord, Nigel. I know. Well, I but you know, like, I want to no, know. I have a different re- resolution, and mine's better. Um, <laughs> if we get to the uh, middle of next season and we have a little bit of a slump, I'm no longer going to believe that the, the counter's out. The last four seasons, we have been perfect after an NFC loss late in the season. We have been one 22 and zero over the last four seasons, closing out the season. I no longer want to feel too scared going into a slump at towards the end of the season. That's something that I want to um, refu- um, remember for next year. Not Nigel's idea. Wimpy, wimpy baby one. <laughs> my, my dumb baby wimpy loser. <laughs> yeah, come on. So I, I want to go back to that Cowboys game. And uh, Jake, I think you want to talk about James Cook because he had the game of his life right here. Um, and this is where everybody got really excited because we're like, oh, boy, do we have just a like a just a, a star in the making with James Cook? Oh, I would love to talk about James Cook. Yeah, I think that was the that he had a great season up till that point. It's not like that was a turning point for him. I think it, the only sense that it was a turning point is that 
everybody started noticing, right? Like, mm. like I think that was a nationally uh, televised game, and people started to pay attention to what James Cook was doing. He dominated the Cowboys. I don't remember stats or anything like that, but just the feeling was that like he he just throttled the Cowboys. Yeah, that was that was so much fun to watch. It was it was the most dominant win. And I say dominant like in the sense that like okay, when your quarterback is Josh Allen and he's in, as incredible as he is and your receivers are you know, Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox and who <laughs> Whoever else, right? Like even if you go back, Cole Beasley and John Brown and all these cats, right? It's it's easy to get to a point where like you're just you're just faster and better than the other team, right? And you can win like that. But when you are when you are running the ball down an opposing team's throat and there is nothing that they can do about it except sit there and take it, that to me is like the most dominant soul snatching way that you can win a football game because it is the most physical sport on the planet. And when you're getting out physical to that point, what it just, it just robs the will out of you. Like, what can you do? The answer is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. 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 You just, it was amazing. You just have to get through the game. You have to get out of that game. And I, and, Okay, I know I always feel stupid doing this, but having played sports growing up, I remember playing in those football games where the opposing team was just bigger and faster and stronger and better. And it's just like, just keep running the ball so we can all go home, right? And like, yeah, get that to, get that clock running. <laughs> you have to imagine the Cowboys felt that a little bit in this game. Oh, you got it right. They came to Western New York. They came. They were they were a hot team. They were, okay, they're going to go try and win the NFC, win the NFC East, be dominant, and... (laughs) (laughs) And they did. (laughs) Didn't help them, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, another significant game in this chunk was that win against the Chiefs. I know we cannot beat them again in the um, the postseason, but, man, we've done pretty well in the regular season, so it's nice to know that it's they're not... They're not, they're vulnerable, right? It's not impossible. It's really a timing thing. And we have to figure out the bills have to figure out how to, how to get those wins in the postseason. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. I am. I gotta be honest, man. I, I push back on that one because we should have lost that game and, and we didn't, but if Kadarius Tony isn't an absolute moron, we lose that game 100%. And I think, you know, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy play that we would have lost on and it would have been a situation where it's like this is just the season for the bills right like but in addition to that game i hated the chargers win i didn't feel good after that win nope that didn't feel great i hated the patriots win yeah yeah both of those so three out of five of those wins i truly felt not good about and it was even though we were winning it was hard for me to find a way to have any confidence because, you know, we should have lost the Chiefs game. We're scraping by Easton Stick and the Chargers. You know, like that, none of that shit screamed, this is a championship football team to me. You're right. That's the way, that's the, way the NFL goes. It's you're, you're walking on a knife's edge. Like some of them go your way just slightly and some of them don't go your way just slightly. Like kind of corrected from earlier in the season where some games that we probably should have won but were really close 
did not go our way. Towards the end of the season, it kind of went the other way and corrected, if corrected is the right term. I'm with Jake, and I think part of that is this this team wills that into, into existence, right? You're this resilient team that you're talking about wills that into into something that can happen because you're right. Look at any of these um, playoff teams, the playoff games the last few two weeks. Like it's on these crazy margins that unfortunately we were on the losing edge of, but man, if two, two, uh, two things go our way in that chiefs um, playoff loss, like I think we're, we, we know where we moved on at least, you know, maybe we're going playing yeah. the Ravens in Baltimore. Like yeah. it's just, man, it just, what it, and this is kind of I had a, I just thought watching the Chiefs, the freaking Chiefs going to the Super Bowl again. Great, awesome, you know. And maybe we have maybe we save that conversation for next week before the Super Bowl. But Cash cow. Yeah, Cash my cow. my thought there though is like, man, they keep getting there, right? They keep getting themselves themselves in a place to get lucky and be good. Yes, they're very good. Their Patrick Mahomes can play out of his mind in the playoffs, but they also have a lot of things that go their way, and. You gotta just have to continue to have darts thrown at the board, um, and I like to say that the Bills have been able to throw darts at the board too. Unfortunately, ours are going—you know—maybe aren't even hitting the board and flying all over the place. But we still have darts to throw, so I feel good about that, knowing that we have a chance. We also have a chance, and it's unfortunately been really shitty because it hasn't been the right chance. But I don't know. We've at least been able to make take stabs at this thing. Yeah. I think the the Bills need to start marketing Haley uh, Haley Steinfeld. 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 Yeah, yeah. They need to start marketing her in the same way as Taylor Swift. We need to start pumping some some dollars into the NFL's bottom line. No, because leave it as that. Leave it at that. As far I would, as my thoughts on, I say NFL no to that because I would more. I would never wish that on another football fan ever, dude. I'm so stoked that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are in love. The three of us are in love. I know it's it's the greatest feeling on the planet. Everyone deserves to feel that. I am For thrilled sure. that they're so into each other. I don't need it shoved down my throat. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree. I totally That's agree. all. I just yeah. I don't care about Taylor Swift. I I you know, music does nothing for me. I it's great that they're in love. I truly am happy they're in love. I think Travis Kelsey, I can't stand him. Just and that's just because I'm a Bills fan. I think he's a great dude. I'm sure he treats her great. They deserve to be in love. I just don't need it shoved down my fucking throat. I love I love Travis Kelsey. I think he's hilarious. I think he's fun. I think he's a great dude. But when he's on the field playing against the Bills, I fucking hate the man. Yeah, yeah. no, I don't. I don't give a shit if he's happy. <laughs> like when, when they're sorry, let me hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't give a shit if he's happy when he's playing the Bills. Otherwise, in his life, yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, but anyway, man, yeah, it's 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 tough to watch. I, we don't have to get into the, a whole conversation about if they're scripting or not in the NHL uh, NFL, but. Man, if, if I can't, if, I can't if, even. If, if, there, if there is, it's fucking blatant. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, I saw, I saw a stat, I saw a financial stat go by that that the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift relationship has added three hundred and thirty million dollars to the NFL's bottom line for the year. Of course, they want that team to go to the Super Bowl. Of course, they want that team to go to the Super Bowl. There's no way they don't. But yeah. like, are the decisions that the NFL makes as far as who's refing those games? play into that probably i'm not saying that they're not great athletes or have have great games and they show up to play in the playoffs they do and i i it's shameful that the nfl's script if 
if that is a thing, again, not saying that it is, but if that's the case, I think it it takes away from how good of athletes they are that 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 is even in the back of all of our all of our minds. I think I think we're just a bunch of paranoid fans that want things to go our way. I don't think there's there's no way there's no way if it's our, our it's ours uh, we're grasping at straws to try and explain why the Bills can't freaking figure it out in the playoffs. Stop! This okay? is how you grasp straws. <laughs> I go to the straw basket in the cupboard and I go, ha, he, ha, who. Yeah. Well, Tom, I, thank God doctors do mammograms and not at home treatment. So we'll move on from that. <laughs> well, on that note, Jake, can you roll us into the bold, faceless, bodacious season predictions? Tom, look you back did. on what stupid things did we predict and did we get anything close to right? Tom, you know I love you. I'm so sorry. But anyways, yeah, let's get into it. All right, so folks, earlier in the year, before game one of the NFL season, the three of us did a few big, overarching season predictions, and we called them the bold, baseless, bodacious season predictions. So what we wanted to do is look back on those predictions and figure out how we did. And we wanted to do that in a fairly unbiased way. So what I've done... Only me have looked up the exact predictions and the exact actual stats that happened. Tom and Nigel have no idea what the predictions were other than a foggy memory and what the actual stats were. So with we're that very said, good at being clueless. This is great. <laughs> with that said, we're going to go through. So, Tom, I'm going to start with you. We're going to start with one of your predictions, and that revolved around Dalton Kincaid. Mm. Ring a bell? Ring a bell? Yeah, I do. I, I think I, I predicted him uh, very highly. You did. You did. You had some. You had some. Some. Uh, you know, lofty expectations for our our boy Dalton. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read you his stat, uh, his predicted stats, which was okay. six sixty plus receptions, okay, seven hundred plus receiving yards, mm. and five plus touchdowns. And now what I want you to do is give me the over under on both of the uh, on all of those stats. Over sixty oh. receptions. Over 700 yards, over five touchdowns, or under? Uh, I'm going to go over 60 receptions, mm-hmm. over 700 yards, and under five touchdowns. Okay, you're close. You're close. He went 73 for 91 on receptions. So, oh, baby. 13 over your prediction. Under 700, right? You're correct, Angela. Yeah, 673. 673 oh, that yards. was so, so close. It's barely. It's That's barely. within the margin of error. I'm taking that. But as as a tight end, nine point two yards on an average reception. Love to see the stat there. And then he finished the year with only two touchdowns, which I thought sounded low, but that's that's, that's what happened. Yep. yep. But, but man, still, what an incredible season from him! Yeah, I'm so excited about Duncan Cade. I can't so wait. Excited. I yeah. cannot wait. Let's give Joe Brady a whole offseason to go work with him. Let's give, honestly, right? Let's give Dalton Kincaid a full offseason. He he was a rookie. He did not get a full NFC NFL offseason. He was doing draft things. He was getting drafted. He had to go do what, what like he didn't get the full effects. Like, let's get him in a full. I hope him and Josh find us some beautiful spot in California out by the cantaloupe farm that the Allens have. And let's <laughs> like just let him throw just every day. Get up, have some coffee, throw some balls around. And then eat a cantaloupe or two. Get a cantaloupe or two. Go play some golf. Like, let's do that for five weeks of the summer. And oh my lord, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, man. He's got the sky's the limit for that guy. I feel good about my prediction about that one. What's the next one? I don't mind. All right, Nigel, we'll go to you. Ed Oliver, our man Ed, 
You predicted that he would have seven sacks in the 2023 season. Over or under that number? What was the actual result? Over, baby. Ten and yes, a half. Yes, sir. No, over, close. Baby. close. Oh, okay. Nine and a half. Nine, Nine and, and a half. half. So, so the leader of the team did have ten and a half. Can you That's name the player? I, Leonard Floyd. Yes, sir. You're on it. You're on it. Um, yeah, Ed Oliver had nine and a half sacks for a total of 64 yards loss. The man had an incredible season. I, I thought seven sacks was a, a you know, a a, a a good prediction, but maybe a little high. He went for above a, that. Yeah. For a D tackle, seven sacks is a, is a very high number. That's yeah. a very high number for a D tackle. And at it out, yeah. Nigel, go ahead and talk about your little baby boy here. No, uh, dude, I just, I, I think the biggest thing right now with Ed is, and Brandon Bean, thank you, because I think if if they chose to pick up the fifth-year option and not just extend him, I'm confident right now that deal. So he's making – we're paying him $16 million a year right yep. now. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident saying that deal, had we not done that, we'd probably be paying him $25 million a season, maybe 24 if Ed was feeling generous. Um, so an absolute steal and a half at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, that many, that many sacks from a, a three tech defensive tackle is absolutely outstanding. It's big. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. You guys each have one more prediction that I want to get into because they're actually interesting, but I'd like to rip through mine really quick because they're really <laughs> not that interesting. Okay. <laughs> first <All> of right. <laughs> all, my first prediction was James Cook is outperformed by Dalvin in game one, but overall James has the better season. Obviously James Cook had the far, Nailed it. far, yeah. far better season, but he actually outperformed his brother in game one too. So a little bit wrong on that, uh, on that front. And then the second one, <laughs> this one was mostly for fun, but I said the, that the Bills would be involved in games that contained a safety two times, and that happened exactly zero. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Tom, I think back to you here for okay. your next prediction and second prediction is that the Bills secondary, cornerbacks and safeties, as, as a noob, I can confirm that real quick. Cornerbacks and safeties. All right, sweet. Um, you predicted that they would have 15 interceptions. Do you think they went above or below? I know it's fucking close. I'm going above because I'm feeling good. Ooh, above. you're both saying above? I thought above too. You're both wrong. Oh, no. I, I wanted you to be right. The Bills as a whole had 18 total interceptions throughout the season. But okay. only 10 of them came from the secondary. Oh, man. But I think 18 resets the Bills' interception record from a long time ago. Like, I think it's been many years since the Bills have had more than 15 interceptions, which is why I think I said that. Wait a second. I think, hold on, Jake, pop quiz. What positions make up the secondary? <laughs> Cornerback and safety. And linebacker. Oh shit! Yep. So this is, Wait, learning, hold on, this, hold on. this is a learning and teaching moment. I thought it was. Yeah, this is good. I thought it was only those two. Nope, linebacker is considered linebacker. No shit. Was was my was my prediction secondary or did I say cornerbacks and safeties? No, you said secondary. 
So okay, so that, do that I get up. it? Hold on, hold on. Can Let's I see. Win? Let's see. Boom, boom, oh, boom, folks, this boom, is this boom, is this boom, is uh. Boom, 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 I'll let the folks at home finish that. Yeah, this is good. Wait, I should, I should maybe you guys should discuss Nigel's next uh, prediction while I look this up. Wait a unless second you, here. Unless you've got it. Unless you've got it. Now, now I am. I might be wrong. I was oh very positive about this. Hold on, this is fun. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, this is a nightmare. This is a disaster. <laughs> I'm glad you... this is an audio-based podcast. Wait, are we? Are we? Are we now waffling about what constitutes the secondary? Yes. Oh, if I was right, it was a complete sham, and I had no knowledge to 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 feed into it. It was just a lack of opinion. But okay, so Jake. I think I might be wrong. This is this is what's secondary about the secondary in American football? Why is it called that? It includes the cornerback and safeties, as well as the nickel or dimebacks that are in cover positions. Uh, who's the newbie now? I think I think Jake gets to take the the mantle, and I think you have to ask a newbie. I have question. to. Be, I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Well, that, that stinks because that means my 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 prediction did not go. But I'm very excited that the Bills reset their interception record from many years back. So so let let's let's look at it both ways, just just for clarity. So a defensive end, AJ Epinesa, is in no part of the secondary. Correct. Correct. Okay, but if we count linebackers, Tom, that's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Ooh. If oh. you count. If you count linebackers, you nailed it. I love revisionist history. This is great. <laughs> me too. Perfect me too. Me. This we, is perfect for me. Let's not go any further back than the beginning of 2023 or else we're going to get ourselves in trouble. But yeah, revisionist history <laughs> is the move. Um, <laughs> I have seen enough verifiable sources to hand up and admit that I am absolutely incorrect. It is only it is, cornerbacks it, and safeties? It is, it is only cornerbacks and safeties. Linebackers are not considered part of that. Now, this linebacker here has been saying, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's, he's he, this this guy. He's, he's been thinking he's been in part of the coverage this whole time. He should have been maybe rushing I, the passer. <laughs> maybe that's why I never started. No, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Uh, Are you kidding me? There, I deserve but. every single bit of that. <laughs> well, anyways, that's fuel for the fire, Tom. Your prediction was wrong. The secondary only had ten interceptions, with the Bills having eighteen total. Mm-hmm. And I think we go on to Nigel's second prediction. Are you boys ready? Yeah, I, I don't even remember what the second prediction was. So, Nigel, your second prediction was that Josh Allen, our boy, our quarterback hero, would lead the league in passing yards, which I thought was a bit of a hot take, and he would lead the league in touchdowns, which I thought was a, a pretty good bet. Mm. So, okay. the touchdown I... one is probably easy, right? Where, where do you think he landed there? Well, now wait a minute. We have to double check. Is it was it total touchdowns or passing touchdowns? You didn't specify, so I I interpreted that as total touchdowns. Okay. I do have the stats on passing touchdowns too. Yeah, I know the passing touchdowns were not first, but I believe fifty-one was absolutely the most total touchdowns. He he had forty-four total touchdowns. Oh, I thought you did. I just pull fifty-one out of my ass. I thought you just said fifty-one. 
Did I say 51? I don't Maybe think not. I said 51. I don't know. I did that. Okay. Oh, right. boy. Whatever oh, it was, boy. I believe it was the most. <laughs> so jo- jo- Josh Allen, I'll, let me let me, let me me clear the air. Josh Allen did lead the league in total, total touchdowns, touchdowns. Yes. with 44. He had 29 passing touchdowns and 15 rush touchdowns. Maybe that's where I got the 51 from. I just had 15 in my head and just decided to do the little... Dick's last, his last, yeah. Pop, pop quiz. Who had the second most touchdowns, total touchdowns in the league? And what was the difference? Mm. Oh, man. They're both quarterbacks. I, my guess would be Jalen, or Jalen Hurts would be my guess. My guess would be Dak Prescott. <laughs> That's incredible because they were tied for second with 38. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! That's Tom. great. That's that good great. shit. That's good shit. That's awesome. Hey, uh, bro, we're so freaking smart. We know how to football. <laughs> Just not. And, don't ask any questions about the secondary. <laughs> correct. Because I don't know what it is. Uh, but yeah, on the flip side, Josh Allen did perform, in my opinion, great on passing yards. But he finished fourth, not first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first. Yep. He finished behind Tua of the Dolphins, Goff of the Lions, and Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, the margin was pretty slim, but, you know, I mean, he he generates so much offense with his legs. Like, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm not mad that he's he's not no. top of the league with passing yards at all. No, that's fine. Or, no, we have the cheat code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that cheat code doesn't get us very far, well, as far enough in the playoffs, but we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Th- okay. I'm going to take that, that take back. He absolutely did everything he needed to. It was other things. We'll talk yeah. about that. That's going to be another podcast probably, huh? Um, was there a second part of that prediction there, Jake? Uh, no, sir. That was that was it, that he would Josh, – Josh Allen would lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns. That's all we but had. Not, yeah, but not passing yards. Okay, cool. Well, damn. Tom, we didn't do terrible. We did pretty good. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I feel really – and I feel like I was close and I had the right idea. For what was happening on my on my prediction, so I feel good about it. Yeah. Um, well, folks, before I hand it over to Tom here, um, normally we do a quick touch on the Sabers here, but uh, we're coming up on our. We try to keep it around an hour for everybody, and we're coming up on that. Um, and I am just dying. And the, the the desire that I feel, the ache, the aching need that I have to just lay in about Don Granado is going to take more than a minute and 30 seconds. So we're going to save that for a different pod. Oh, um, yeah. But, Tom, you want to take everybody home, buddy? I sure would. But, uh, everybody, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for spending some time with us. Um, I know we're not always the most, uh, you know, educational or informationally accurate, but uh, we're entertaining, I think. At least we entertain ourselves. That's the important part. That's true. Um, <laughs> it would mean um, it would mean a lot to us if you could please share this episode, give us a like, give us a follow on all of our social medias. We are trying to grow this podcast over this off season and, and get ready and go flying into the um, the next season. So you, any help, and it starts with and ends with you guys. Um, so any help you could, please sharing and liking and any form of our social medias or our content that would be really um, incredible. You can follow us on Instagram, on X, on TikTok, on our freshly minted YouTube channel, all at Let's Go Buff Pod with two Fs. Um, These are my pals, uh, Jake and Nigel. My name is Tom, and you're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast. We're sending you love wherever you are. Go Bill. Go Sabres. Let's go. Buffalo.